It's your pal Siri. You have found the Ambiguously Blind Podcast, where we are challenging beliefs and revealing abilities that make people extraordinary. With your host, a guy that's great at hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting the podcast experience. Via the miracle of the internet, we're going to travel over to the Boston, Massachusetts area and sneak into the basement recording studio for Mark Arelli and talk to him about his new album. Hey, Mark. Thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, John. Lay your darkness down. Incredible album that's uh, just came out, uh, what, about 10 or 11 days ago or so? Hey, happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Thank you very much. I appreciate you spending it with me. This is... Yeah, this was I had to I had to cash in some points to do this. <laughs> Super romantic. So uh, I had to cash in some points too. So we're on the same page yeah. there. I get it. So uh, I want to talk a lot about the album. There's uh, I think there's a lot of like metaphorical things happening, and and I've recently been getting into writing personally myself. And something I'll I'll confess here. We'll go a little deeper into it. Is that I'm such a I'm a huge music fan, um, but Great. for such a long time. I was always just kind of a participant with music. Like I was just like, I would sing the songs. I would know the tunes. I could, I could remember where I was when I heard this song or whatever, but I never really went much deeper than that. Hmm. Um, I kind of upset with myself because I missed like, never really put the, the lyrics together, like what they actually mean. And just kind of the sense of the song. I was just kind of like a, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but I was just kind of casual with music, but super into it. And just in the last like six or eight months of my life, I've been devoting a lot. I'm like, you know what? That's actually a pretty prophetic statement right there. Or that's <laughs> really a genuine thing. And um, I've and I've been doing that with your stuff. So we'll talk a little bit about that oh, too. Oh wow. And it's um, I don't know. I I'm late to the game. Well, you know, music is an interesting art, uh, art form in the sense that it's the only one that you really can consume casually. You know, if you are going to a museum to look at a painting, it, you know, you can't really say you've seen the painting if you didn't look at it, you know? And there's, of course, different degrees of looking at it, I guess, but you have to at least... Yeah, there's a, an action there. You got to go to the yeah. museum. You got to... Yeah. yeah, you got to watch the movie. You got to read the book to have read the book. But you don't really have to assimilate on any kind of deeper metaphorical level anything that a singer is uh is trying to get across uh in a in a song to to say you have listened to music you can kind of have it on in the background and bop your head along and that's not really the way that i listen to music i i kind of am a little bit envious of folks that uh can can be can that be down be with that the background music yeah <laughs> well yeah i just i there, to me there's no such thing as background music if there is music on I and I'm having a conversation with someone. There is always part of my brain, a significant part of my brain, that is listening to, mm-hmm. processing, interacting with that music, and is not available to whatever else I should be doing at that moment. Sure. So, Are you listening to music now? I am not. Okay. <laughs> For okay, that so we've very got the full reason. and undivided attention of uh, Mark Aureli. This. Uh, I'm laser focused <laughs> okay. here. Well, maybe you should be listening to. It. I don't know. This this may not be any good. <laughs> well, when we before we came on, there was I heard some music in the background, and I don't, I don't know if it was playing in in your office there or whatever. And I kept thinking, like, 
I really hope he turns that music off because I'm just going to be wondering what song that is. It's going to be very distracting. That, that was the green room music. <laughs> I love it. It's just I a generic uh, hip hop tune that just plays in the background until we till game time. So yeah, got it. Up against the night, and it's coming on strong. Yeah, up against the night, and I'll You had a change in your life that I guess was kind of out of the blue. I can relate to that. So that's kind of what we do here on the podcast. It's we, uh, the, the motto is challenging beliefs and revealing abilities that make people extraordinary. And I feel like there really are a lot of extraordinary people and stories in the world. And we try to, we try to find them and, and talk through those stories and, and how people share their versions of that. And I was... I was, uh, of course, that's it's the ambiguously blind podcast. There's a lot of visual impairment discussions that we have here, but it's not everything we do, but it's certainly a part. And now you're you're in that community, and I don't know that you expected to be in that community. No, uh, and it took me even after I got my diagnosis. I was diagnosed with uh, retinitis pigmentosa uh, or RP uh, in the fall of 2020. It took me a long time actually to feel like I could claim to be in that community. I was just getting used to uh, or trying to get used to my new reality and how it intersected with the disability community, quote unquote. I don't, I still don't even know if you can say that phrase, but I'm, I'm still learning the language, but I just didn't know if I, I didn't feel disabled enough Sure, is basically what it came down to. You might say ambiguously and, blind. Exactly. And uh, you might, and, uh, and you'd be correct. And, uh, so, you know, I was, I'd had, we'd gone into the pandemic, right. And, and my particular line of work was, uh, kind of canceled or, or put on ice over literally overnight. Um, and then it became clear that this thing was going to be with us for a while. And so my mind was already kind of oriented, down the path of a, of a grieving process, you know, my entire adult life, um, which had felt very real and very lasting and very, uh, deep and diversified disappeared (laughs) almost overnight. And it was kind of like, what is real? What is happening? Is it ever going to come back? And then, you know, six months into that, I started having some noticing some troubling visual symptoms. And I thought, oh, I probably need glasses. It's probably time getting older. And, uh, and I did need glasses once I finally got in to see the the optometrist, but she sent me, uh, sent me for further retinal imaging, uh, here at Mass Ioneer in Boston, where I live. And it turned out I had retinitis pigmentosa, which, um, anyone that listens to this podcast probably has, has encountered that, uh, that term before, but with RP, you start losing your peripheral vision and your night vision, and then it progresses uh, kind of slowly or uh, pro- progresses unpredictably, let's say, to uh, legal blindness mm-hmm. and in some cases even further. 
Um, I have a thankfully right now, particularly slow, slower moving version, which is great. But you know, right after I got my diagnosis, instead of grieving my, just my career, then I was kind of grieving like the life that I thought that I was going to have, not just my career, which also seemed improbable given, you know, my, my new, new uh, reality, but just the life, the way that I thought I was going to live. Of course, we never really have, we never really know how we're going to live, you know, years in the future anyway, but I, I had to kind of be disabused of, of, you know, whatever notions I had in that, in that regard pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, it's, as you know, it's a, it is a, like the grief process. It is, there are stages of it. It is, they are not progressed through linearly. Um, you know, you can be anger, angry, and then you can, you know, go through, get into another phase and then be angry Depression, again. <laughs> or maybe all of them at the same time or minute to minute. Sure. Yeah. 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 So it's, um, it's been a bit of a journey these last couple of years, and I suppose that it was only um, inevitable that it would make it into my songs, and it and it did. Yeah, I think you kind of what you said. It's the status quo is always the hardest thing to change, right? Just in any in any walk or anything in life, and so when the status quo is changing, then you can't stop it from changing. That's got to be challenging too. I mean, that that's the way it was for me. But for me, yep. it was like one day it's here, one day it's not. I don't know what it would be like to be on a sliding scale or on a, a moving path where it it changes sometimes more dramatically than others. Yeah, I mean, I don't certainly don't want to ascribe uh, feelings or intentions to anyone but myself. But for me, I have to, I kind of imagine if if I was in a situation where things had changed definitively uh, and ir- irrevocably in a short period of time, um, at least once I got over that shock, I could kind of focus all my energy, uh, on accepting and learning how to live with it and living a very full, meaningful, valuable life. But the way that my RP works, uh, it really is, there's no way to, to predict it. Um, so I can't look at the change since in the two years since I've been diagnosed and say, okay, like if we extrapolate that downward, then I've got, you know, another decade of usable site before I have to give up my license. Yeah, there's really not a manual, right? It's not like they give you a no, booklet and say. Because it could plateau out. Uh, and there's been times when I've, I've thought kind of, you know, that, that kind of magical thinking mindset where I was like, oh, maybe it's as bad as it's ever going to be. And then, you know, you get measured again and you're like, Oh, okay. No, that I, that is not the case. Uh, but it could also go the other way. It could also accelerate, um, over a, a shorter period of time. And there's just really no way to know what's coming. And so, um, ironically that kind of, I found has a, a way of focusing me really f- finely on moments and, uh, and details because I just don't know, like, when's the next time I'm going to see this? You know, I don't, I, I, I don't really always know. And actually none of us really know that, but now I have this kind of daily reminder of that. And in some ways that's, that's kind of been, um, you know, for lack of a better word, a real, a real eye opener. <laughs> I feel like you wrote a song about that. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've tried to write several about that. It's, you know, 
my as a songwriter, I mean, my job is not really to write songs, which sounds odd, but I've always explained to people that my job description is just to pay attention, just to be a professional pay attentioner, <laughs> you know, which occasionally will work against me if my wife is like, did you see mm, this? Yes, and, or yes, did you yeah. remember this? I'm like, no, I wasn't paying attention, right? Uh, but, you know, songwriters are the ones that are supposed to notice the details and kind of be able to process those experiences that may otherwise kind of slip by in the, in the rush of, of daily life. And, you know, you maybe you package them with some evocative imagery and, and a, a really, you know, great melody and, and uh, a good beat always helps. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a real gift to be able to kind of present these slices of life in song. Uh, I have been helped immeasurably by other artists' songs. And all I have really ever wanted to do was to make someone else feel a fraction of the way that I've felt listening to music. Who are some of your big influences? <laughs> it's funny. I, I've kind of taken to answering that uh, in, in a very shorthand way by just saying the traveling Wilburys because it sums yeah. up an, an awful lot, yeah, you know, uh -huh. whether you get the guitar and the, and the melodicism of, of George Harrison or the kind of, that kind of operatic idiosyncratic, uh, you know, voice Orbison. Of, of Roy Orbison or the, the production of Jeff Lynn was a huge influence on this, this new record of mine. And, uh, of course, Dylan, you got the lyricism and the, um, and uh, the wordplay and, uh, you know, Tom Petty, man. Yeah, he's, the great he's Tom the, Petty. the king, you know, he was, he did, he had kind of all of that stuff and like very, very catchy songs. <laughs> so, yeah, I just kind of tell people like the Traveling Wilburys pretty much covers it. But, you know, if you could add in like Willie Nelson and uh, Joni Mitchell to the Traveling Wilburys and maybe some guys from the band or something that that would about cover it. I think that's pretty all all encompassing there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like you were saying, we were talking about earlier, I, I too, am a child of the nineties. Um, so there, a lot of that stuff was, was very influential to me too. But, um, you know, I, when I started naturally kind of looking back, um, uh, that's kind of, you know, where I kind of found those influences and some of them are, you know, artists that started much earlier than the nineties, but were still doing really cool things in the late eighties and early nineties, like the, the guys in the traveling Wilburys. So that about covers it. You're going to want to remember this. Someone said that to me once. Yeah. And I thought that's a good song title. <laughs> it's, I think it's my favorite song on the album. Oh, um, there's, thanks, there's a man. few of them that are, are bidding for that, but I've been able to listen to the album I don't know, several times in the last week or so and um, just in an effort to get ready for this talk. And I keep coming back to that. So you're gonna wanna remember this. The last time Don't always feel like the last time So maybe put your Easy to miss. So 
something you said earlier, like I got to remember this or I got to pay attention to these kind of things. And, you know, I've, I was super lucky in life to be always around a lot of family. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until, um, I mean, I had, I had all four of my grandparents, um, you know, married, living into their eighties. And I wow. was, I was in my thirties when they, they, they passed. And it wasn't until my, um, I knew it was coming, right? I mean, obviously we're all, sure. we're on, none of us are making it out of this alive, right? That's the deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like my, my mom's dad, um, was the last living one. And, and so my, my mom's parents, I'm sorry, my dad's parents, um, my, my grandmother died. And then 10 days later, my grandfather died. Uh-huh. And then my mom's mother died. And then like five days later, my grandfather died. It's like, you know, they were married for like 60 years, each of them. Right. Yeah. And so if nothing else, it's just a heartbreak thing, but I can remember vividly. I can still remember giving my, I was at my grandmother's funeral and, and I live in Texas. They live in Ohio and I was there. And I remember hugging my grandfather, leaving, going back to Texas at, at my grandmother's funeral. And I didn't really expect it to happen, but like three days later it happened. And as I'm listening to the song, you're going to want to remember this. I do remember that. But I wish in, in that moment, I would have, you know, given a little extra squeeze mm-hmm. or just, you know, just kind of embrace the moment for what I, I didn't want it to be the last, of course. So there's the of denial course. part of it where I'm thinking, no, no way. Right. So yeah. I'll be here in a couple of weeks anyway. And, you know, everything will be normal. So I, those mm-hmm. kind of memories. And so since then, I've had lots of things happen in my life that I've made a closer point to remember. And that song really reminds me of, so there's a lot of sentimentality tied to that song for me. Oh, that's, that's really great to hear. I mean, it is an abashed, un, unabashedly sentimental song and I, I wanted it. I wanted to just, you know, it's a, it's a, just a tiny bit bombastic. I mean, the, the images are very small and the moments are very, you know, deals in these very specific yeah. moments. But um, I did want to kind of pres- contrast that that kind of scale of resolution with like the the feel of like you know, kind of arena <laughs> arena country or sure. something. Yeah. You know, just a big a big kind of power ballad sort of moment. Um, but there's a line that that starts the the bridge that you, what you just said made me think of this lyric, where is it, it, the lyric is the last time don't always feel like the last time, and that's you know? like as soon as you I heard that again I'm starting yeah. to pay attention to lyrics now right I mean yeah I'm not just I'm not just like it's not just in one ear not the other so that I I heard that and I was like that's like the first thing I thought of and yeah, I don't man. know if that was the intention with you know in this case it's like death or something but like it could be something great but it may just be the last time that it happens and you, you yeah. don't necessarily know that. Yeah. I wasn't really thinking about any kind of event in particular, but just, just something that just a moment that is going to end up being a very singular, unique experience that, that may not feel that way at the time. And I think a lot of, probably most of life is that way. You very rarely do you kind of see the, the portents and the omens of, you know, the writing on the wall, you know, a lot of times it's just like, like you say, it just, it changes very quickly and you don't really realize it until after the fact. And and maybe that's a, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit of an evolutionary kind of, uh, 
uh, defense mechanism or something. Yeah. 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 yeah, Emotional defense mechanism just to kind of keep us from being crushed by the potential sadness. And I don't know, I don't know that we want to know everything either. Right. So exactly. So I don't know what the right answer is there, but regardless, uh, those are the images and things that were conjured up in my mind as I was, I was going through that. So, um, my, my grandfather was, healthy and happy and all that it wasn't like he was in a bed in the hospital or anything so it just mm-hmm. it, i didn't think that was going to be the last time yeah but it was I'm and sorry to hear that. yeah well it's it is what it is but i think as we age too, those things you know as a kid um you're a father so you you see the kids how they have the naivety of just the world and there's some of those things they need to learn but there's some things that they kind of need to learn on their own too and yep. um i don't know I'm 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 still a new parent, so I don't um I don't know what I'm doing actually. But <laughs> well, it turns out that none of the parents ever <laughs> have ever known what they were doing. Yeah, but uh, at least some inc- of them make it look like they do. I just gotta Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make it look like I do. Yeah, well that's that's the trick right there. But yeah, I re- I remember growing up as a kid, um, I guess there's some kids that maybe have a little bit of like a anti-establishmentarianism kind of streak to them, you know, but I, I wasn't that kid. I, I kind of looked up to the adults in my life. I grew up with my grandfather in the house and we used to have breakfast at an insanely early hour every day. And, uh, I just kind of grew up thinking that adults knew everything and that when I was an adult, I too would be initiated into that club of, you know, the people that had lived long enough to know everything. Oof. You know everything. Yeah. Like, all right, here we are. Yeah, you know. I'm still waiting on that day myself. Yeah. I think we're going to be waiting a long time, my friend. I don't think it really <laughs> it, I don't think it really ever happens and and I'm trying to figure out like how how is that possible and that my current way of explaining it kind of comes from my my science background. So before I was in music, I got a master's in evolutionary biology. That was kind of like my... Yeah, like, so record screech. Hold on just a second, real quick. Yeah. Evolutionary <laughs> biology, rock star. How does that... I mean, they're the same thing. Okay. Really. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, I think in science, when you... Anytime you get close to answering a question, which you can never really do in science, you can just kind of provide overwhelming support for one interpretation of uh of a scenario uh-huh. uh so anytime that you do that quote unquote provide an answer in science it just leads you to dozens more questions that you'd never even thought to ask before that you haven't answered yet and i think that's kind of like what being an adult is you know you think you know everything as a kid and then you live a little bit, you you experience a little bit more, and you're like, oh, there's so much more to this, and there's so many things that I don't know. And in reality, I think you kind of learn less and you know less and less as you go, as you grow up. It's, I had it all completely backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be right about that. I don't know. Me, I'm 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 just a folk singer, but that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I thought I would feel more more confident about the things I know by now but um i think i'm just kind of more uh overwhelmed by all the things that i that i don't know yeah i i can i constantly say i don't know what i don't know because i am i find myself in situations where 
you know, but then we have the internet, so and we have podcasts, so people can, you know, right, can work on some of those things in their in their in their spare time. But that's a perfect example of that that phenomenon. You don't know what you don't know. Like, yeah, all the information or a lot of the information might be there, but if you don't know to look for it, if you don't know to ask, what question to ask, then you don't know what you don't know. You know, and it's kind of useless to you. So, but we kind of mistake that. I think very. Um, we we think that you know all the information is out there, but it's not in in you. You haven't assimilated it. You know, so I th- I think that your attitude's a very healthy one. It kind of kind of prov- guards against hubris a little bit, <laughs> which I think is is always important. Again, I've, I've listened to the album. I don't know how many times, and it starts with "Breaking the Clouds," right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love that song too. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. It's every time I love starting the song. I'm an album guy myself. I like albums. Me too. I like also like tangible albums. I like to collect mm-hmm. them. I have a wall behind me with lots of CDs and case logic cases full of all kinds of CDs from all times ago. And right. I like listening because I think an album and maybe you can talk to a little bit about this, but an album is is a thing. It's mm-hmm. it's the piece of art. It's it's the whole work. One song taken out may be able to stand on its own for some particular reason, but it's it's placed in the position it's in in the album or on the album. I mean, you've got 50,000 songs going on at any time, right? So you find the right dozen or so to put on to each particular grouping of of albums. And so I like listening to albums in their entirety. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a singles guy. I mean, I like the singles, of course, yeah. don't get me wrong. And I do have, yeah. I have playlists and things. I listen to individual songs, but I do like to go back and listen to albums. And every time I start your album over on, on this one. It's like a, a warm blanket or it's oh. like I'm comfortable. It's it's like I I've, love that. I've heard the song before, but I've never heard it before kind of thing. It's new and old. Yeah. At, at simultaneously. Well, that's a very that was a very intentional decision. It always is the sequencing and, and what songs to include on albums, as, as you mentioned. And but you never you never have any conceptualization of whether anyone else will will experience it the same way that you intended. And really, I'm not trying to dictate anyone's experience of of the the record. I have a way that I put it together where it really means something very specific and 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 very meaningful to me. And you could look at it that way and come to understand it that way. Or you could kind of come up with your own that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of yeah. the music. That's right. Yeah. Which is what I that's what I want. Um, but for me, that was that was very much the intention. Like, let's let's start off with something that has the comfort of familiarity 
Um, and then, you know, maybe let's, let's hit people with the more dramatic stuff, you know, <laughs> after we're, after we've got them, you know, I- into the, into the album a little bit, you know, after we've got the, after we've set the hook. Yeah. Um, but I'm an album guy too. And, and, uh, I don't, it's funny because there's a lot of great music in the era of when music was just singles, you know, back in the fifties and and forties, you know, there were, there weren't long playing albums. The technology had not been even invented yet, but, um, I have just come to love the album format the most. And I, I just think of it as like a book. It's like, you you don't read a book and be like, well, that you know, I liked that seventh chapter, but the rest of it I could kind of take or leave. You know, it's it does, it doesn't make any sense really, uh, without or or its meaning is changed at the very least by the context of the chapters and the story arc or, and the themes that are developed around it. And for me, that's what a what a record sh- you know ultimately should be. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be a quote unquote concept album. But there should be some kind of overall thematic arc to it, um, and you know this one is is particularly strong for me in, in in that regard. Yeah, I've never heard it said like that. It's like a book. Yeah, you wouldn't take chapter six out and read it on its own, and and maybe come up with the same conclusions about the beginning or the end of the book. Yeah, I mean, it's you can do that. Sure. It's just going to be a very different experience. Sure, <laughs> and I would argue a very you know a, at least a if you're going to define it by like how far away your your experience is from the author's intent it's going to be a you know i guess i would say a poor experience um but again you want people to have their own their own take on things and if someone just wants to put my record on in the in the background and like live their life that's not for me but i mean god bless them that's fine you know like however you love music is how you love music and it can change as you're saying yourself, you know, the way that you've listened has changed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a very careful listener by nature, but there's some things that other people are really into that I just gloss right over. Yep. You know, I was just right, right before we talked, I was at a high school wrestling match. My, my uh, younger son has been trying out wrestling and he wanted to go see the high school wrestling championships. And I do not want to see the, the high school wrestling. I could care less uh, about them, but you know, you got to kind of, you got to kind of realize that it's a big world, and everyone's just into their own thing. And so, if someone doesn't want to listen to records, that's fine. But um, for me, it's something that I I feel very deeply about, and I'm always uh, I recognize a kindred soul when I when I see one. So I feel like I, the, I see you. So. <laughs> thank you. All right. Awesome. Literally and figuratively here. Exactly. Yeah. So the uh, I think the album people are are were were fewer and farther between, especially as music develops sure. into the Napster generations and 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 the iTunes download generations and things. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll work its way out and artists will, will do something. I don't know. They'll artists will continue to, to do what they do and then we'll uh, consume them. However we, I guess, choose, which is what we do now. But there have been, I feel like there's been a lot of change, you know, in the last 20 years um, oh, yeah. regarding that. So it's, it can't be, can't be easy. Also a lot of change in, in 2020 with the pandemic and all the, the craziness of that so yeah it's been i mean it's not the same 
I mean, at its most basic level of like trying to write the greatest songs that you can write and trying and trying to get them, uh, people ex- exposed to them. Yes, the mu- the business is exactly that's not really the business of music. That's the like practice of of being a, a songwriter and a performing songwriter. That's not really the the music business part of it. The music business part has changed. I mean, it's just not the same thing that it was when I got into it back in. Uh, 99 was when my debut came out. So that's been a hard thing to kind of wrap my head around. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's not, I don't, I don't, I'm not really into all the changes and I, I kind of feel like I've been around long enough that I've seen, you know, trends in music and art and fashion, whatnot. Like I've seen them come and go and, and come and go again. You know, it's, I've really seen the broken clock be right twice a day, yep. you know, several mm-hmm. times now. So I just kind of do what I feel like doing at any moment in time and um, try not to worry about that. That's kind of what's different about this record is that in the past, I've always, this is my 13th solo record and there's other, you know, there's probably f- five or half a dozen other kind of side projects. Um, and I've always been fortunate enough to just be able to do whatever the hell I wanted to do. If I wanted to make a Western swing record, I made a Western swing record. You know, if I wanted to do a record of lullabies, I sang a record of lullabies. And um, I never really cared where it, you know, one thing fit into to the thing I did last. It just this is what I'm doing next. That is the theme, <laughs> you know. Um, and that was really a fun a fun way to kind of go about your career. But this newest record, the Lay Your Darkness Down, I kind of feel like it's the first record that I've ever like needed to make and that I needed to make in this particular way. There's lots of, I've made records a lot of different ways, kind of use the process of, of making the record as a way to trick me into kind of some sort of novel artistic approach or some some new kind of artistic geography but this one i really needed to say these things and i needed to record them mainly alone here down in my basement i just needed to get some sort of creative agency back and so in in a lot of ways this it's a huge relief to have this album out because one i did it (laughs) i managed to pull it off and i'm really proud of it and i feel like now i might be able to be like okay what you know what what comes next in this phase of my journey here? Cause this feels a lot as much of an inflection point as when I had kids, you know, like the, there were albums that were, that came before I was a father. I love them. I think they're good, but that guy is a very different guy than the guy, you know, that came after yes, that, as you, yeah. as you well know. Yes. <laughs> and then after the diagnosis, it felt like this next project was going to be the first step of, another entirely new road, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's scary on one level, but I'm 48 now, you know, I'm not like super old, but I, I'm not a kid. I'm not the youngest kid in the room anymore. And, uh, it's just kind of thrilling, even though, you know, given the circumstances, it's kind of thrilling to feel like you're doing something novel for you and you're kind of striking out in a new direction. And, uh, so, you know, 
for that, I'm really excited about about this newest project. Yeah, I think that's an awesome way to live. That sounds exciting. I, it probably isn't exciting all the time, but it no, sounds... but a lot of the times it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the title track, "Lay Your Darkness Down," um, I I've kind of felt like that was some sight stuff in there, but I don't. Uh, on second and third and maybe fifth viewing of this or listening to this, I don't I don't think that's exactly what's going on there. I woke up to the news Fate ain't something you can choose And them Harlem River blues Is all too real I couldn't even cry I was sad but not surprised That muddy water Was always laughing at your heels So rest easy brother in travel light You had your mama's eyes But you were your father's son Lay your darkness down Shadows lie upon the ground To show us where the light is coming from That seemed like that was kind of a meaningful song to you. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. That's one of the ones that I wrote uh, just a month or two before I was diagnosed. So I didn't know about my sight at the time. But um, the initial inspiration was the the passing of Justin Towns Earl, who uh, was the son of uh, Texas songwriter Steve Earl. That's right, yeah. And um, I was a big Steve Earl fan growing up. Um, and wasn't like super familiar with Justin's music, uh, never really met him, but, um, his passing really hit me harder than I expected. Um, especially given the context of the, of the pandemic. So I was kind of trying to process that loss and, you know, I, I kind of saw him through other people's remembrances of, uh, of him, you know, seeing, saw him through other people's eyes and, uh, it got me thinking about like, how do, how did he think about himself? You know, how did other people think about him? Like that loss, like, did it, how did it define him in his own eyes? How did, how does it define him in the eyes of others? And I, there was something there, but I couldn't quite figure it out until I had a conversation with uh, my buddy, Joe Henry, who is an amazing songwriter and producer and thinker. And he was talking, we were talking about religion and music and art. And he said, you know, a lot of religions kind of exhort you to to, to stay in the light, you know, and uh, walk in the sunny side. And he said, as artists, it's, it's a challenge because it's our job to kind of dive into the shadows. And he said, the shadows tell us something important. They tell us where the light is coming from. And as soon as he said that, I thought, oh my God, that's the... Yeah, that's that's, that's incredible piece. Um, imagery or whatever whatever you call it. Yeah, it's just yeah. And he didn't say "lay your darkness down," but as soon as he kind of made the 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 image of the shadows and the light kind of being these physical, metaphorical but also physical things, it kind of made me think of of that darkness as as a something tangible that you could choose to walk away from. You know that you could choose to lay lay down and and move forward, and 
And then when I got diagnosed, um, I was like, oh, this is a big part of what was going on in that song. And I, at the time, I had no idea. But I think the songs just kind of get there before you yeah, do sometimes. And they can mean something different. And it's that's yes. what's so great about them. So Yeah, absolutely. A little while ago, I was uh, was listening to Wildflowers by your buddy Tom Petty. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. And so I was going through it and Crawling Back to You comes on and I'm listening. And I just, again, I hear, uh, just for what it's worth, I know you're a big support. uh, You've listened to all the episodes of the podcast. So I know I'm I'm telling you, you're right. telling you something you already know. But at the beginning of the podcast, it always says, uh, I'm great at at, uh, hearing, but terrible at listening, right? My wife tells me that. Kind of like what your (laughs) wife was saying about paying attention, right? Yeah, so like I yeah. hear everything, but I don't really listen, and that's my problem. So I'm I'm trying to be better at listening, right? Yeah. So crawling back to you, I'm so tired of being tired. Sure as day turns to night. I'm sure as night will follow day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, most of the things I worry about don't happen anyway. I I botched yeah. it exactly, but it's just awesome and so yeah, prophetic so and so it's there, just yeah. so obvious too, though. But you don't really take a step back. And think about those things that way. And that's what I think that song made me do. And I was, and we hooked up on Instagram on that, actually. I posted that Yeah, on yeah, I saw that quote. I thought, man, that's one of my favorite Tom Petty songs. And that's here. my favorite line from that song. It's, you know? so, it's so moving and powerful. And I'm also listening to, to your album, and it reminded me of Fuel for the Fire. I mean, oh, it's not wow. exactly the same thing. Yeah, man, that was where that whole song started. Uh, well, it started with Fuel for the Fire, uh, that kind of, that the, the melodic hook. You know, Fuel for the Fire. That, oh, gonna get a live I was at the gym. Here. here we go. Let's yeah, there you Where's go. The guitar? Here we go. Okay. <laughs> I was at the gym one morning, and that, it's weird because I listen to music at the gym. So I was listening to something else at the time, and that music fragment just popped into my head. like shoved aside whatever I was listening was like, this is something. And, you know, a lot of times I'll just sing an idea into my phone. Yeah. I was going to say, how how does that, so this is the writing process or, so you get these things that happen. What do you do? Yeah. Well, it's, it's different. I mean, what you should do if you're serious about writing songs is you should just stop whatever it is you're doing and write the damn song. Like they don't, they might just keep on flying and they'll go to whoever is paying attention, you know? But uh, I kind of got, I've gotten into a bad habit of, you know, singing fragments that come to me into my voice memos on my phone. And then when I, when I have some space and time to focus on songwriting, I'll kind of play them back and try to, you know, kind of, you know, uh, reverse engineer what it was I was, you know, inspired by. Yeah. But so that song, I kind of ducked down behind some of the the weight machines and like opened up my voice memos and was like singing that fuel to the fire. <laughs> I was probably super sketchy at, sure. in the gym at the time, but, um, but yeah. And then that, that notion of like, well, what am I, you know, what is, what do I mean by fuel for the fire? And I think that one was a, uh, a song post diagnosis and, and I was really working out a lot, you know, just in terms of like, how am I supposed to be? 
you know, and I was, I, we were talking about the stages of grief. I was angry. I was afraid. I was tired and depressed. I was all those things. And it was like, okay, well, the, you know, these don't have to necessarily be unproductive emotions and experiences. Like you can, we can use these, especially as a songwriter. You, this is, this is what you're supposed to use to write the songs, you know? You very rarely are you using the happy moments to write the songs, you know? So, uh, yeah, that one kind of, uh, that was a co-write with my buddy Anthony DaCosta, and I brought him that chorus and uh, that that kind of pre-chorus line that you that you mentioned, and uh, we, we hashed it out over Zoom together, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Okay, so I got a couple questions for you. Before we let you go, what I would call, um, I don't know what I call this, quick hits or like a, like a lightning round. Fun, light, lightning thing. round with uh, yeah, yeah. Mark Arelli, okay? Hit me. <laughs> what is your favorite concert of all time? Oh, favorite concert of all time. Well, I as a performer, I got to play on the at the Royal Albert Hall. I was playing in my buddy Josh Ritter's band and he was opening up for Ray LaMontagne and we played two nights at the Royal Albert Hall which is one of the most prestigious beautiful venues in yeah. the world and I remember just thinking like we were just rock gods standing at the top of the mountain it just like I, pinch I, me I kind couldn't of thing. believe yeah yeah I could not believe it so that was a real memorable moment uh and I felt a similar thing when when I played um the Grand Old Opry uh, at the Ryman Auditorium for the first time with my buddy Lauren McKenna. Um, it's the same thing. Like, this is ha this is happening, right? As far as concerts that I've seen, I don't. Man, I don't know if I if I could really pick just one. Um, I can tell you one that was very formative, and it's not. It was not by a professional musician. It was by a young woman in my college, incoming college class who got up at the at the first year talent show and sang a Joni Mitchell song, just her and her guitar in front of this room full of kids that she didn't really know yet. And it was just beautiful and tender and vulnerable and just, it really made an impact on me. And I remember thinking like, that that's what I want to do to people. You know, <laughs> I want to make them feel uncomfortably vulnerable <laughs> that's a great answer <laughs> make, yeah great answer. yeah so you know she and I, I don't think she went on to do music or anything but she kind of inspired me to go on but you did music. so yeah looky there yeah. yeah all right so what's a craziest thing that's ever happened at a concert well i i went to go see crosby stills nash and young one time a kind of a last nice. minute yeah. thing a friend had a uh, uh an extra ticket and uh i'm a big neil young fan not not as big with the CSNN, but um, I wanted to go and check him out. And uh, this was when Neil Young had released his Living With War record. This would have been back in uh, the George W. Bush years, and uh, of which I was not a fan um, of those years. Not not necessarily the record, though the record wasn't that, that great either. But he had this song called Let's Impeach the President was like the single. <laughs> Crazy. And... Um, he played it, you know, they were, it was like a bunch of aging hippies uh, at this show. And he played, played uh, Let's Impeach the President, like in the middle of all these songs, like, you know, Ohio and For What It's Worth and all these like classic protest anthems. And everyone was cheering for the, you know, for Ohio. But when he played Let's Impeach the President, 
these like grown-up hippies in their 60s with like stock portfolios now <laughs> just, just booed him. They booed Neil Young. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm envisioning my song. dad. Um yeah. and cuz my dad actually went to Kent State. He was at <laughs> he was at, he was at Kent State when it oh happened. Oh my gosh. Wow. And so He's a. I just talked to my dad today. I mean, I talked to my dad regularly, and we were talking about. I said I was. I was. I was going to talk to a uh, a rock star for the podcast, <laughs> and he, he. We were talking. I got all my dad's old vinyl records. I get a bunch of vinyl yeah. and stuff. And um, he's like, "Remember, you've got the. I think it's the first Crosby, Stills, Nash. It was before Young, where I think they're sitting on the porch. Is that is yeah. Neil Young on that one? I don't think I, he yeah, is, but. He has two versions of it because they omitted a song in the, the when they printed the cover for oh, it. Oh, wow. I don't know what song it is. And if I'm really in a music aficionado that I claim to be, I would tell you. But I'm pretty sure it was it was one of the main songs. It was one of the major singles that came <laughs> off, like the, one of the more Piper songs. And it, so he has the error printed one and the corrected one. Oh, that's amazing. So I'm just thinking, as you were saying, you were seeing them play. I'm thinking of my dad being in the audience because he, you know, that would have been him. Uh, it was just it was just amazing to to see here was a guy that w that was one of like the early popular um early popular popularizers if that's a word of like rock and roll protest music mm -hmm. yeah and you know he was still committed to that however many decades later you know i i didn't really I didn't think it was as artful as the initial attempt, but it was still something he felt very deeply and he was still making new art and he was still pushing himself. Neil Young is still pushing himself. And for that, he got booed by, you know, people that were, yep. you know, not, 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 uh, kind of appreciating that. And that, that kind of really got me thinking about a lot of stuff. Um, but that was a, a, a very memorable moment for sure. Okay, this may not be the, the best phrasing of this question, but you're you're headed out the door. You're going somewhere. I was going to say you're driving somewhere, but that may not work for you anymore. Mm -hmm. And you can only take one album with you. What are you grabbing on the way out the door? Well, if if it's a very solitary listening experience, I don't think you can do better than Joni Mitchell's Blue. Um, that's not really a record that I love to listen to with other people. I mean, I'll listen to it with my wife, but it's... It's a record I love to listen to uh, by myself. It's just, it's all the, like all the feelings just kind of come out with that record. So yeah, if I'm just listening by myself, um, that's a really good one to, to take. Yeah, I'll go with that. Okay, so variation of the question. Now you're going with your kids and your family's going somewhere. So now it's got to be suitable for everybody. Mm. It's got to be something by the Beatles, because um, that's really the the artist that we all kind of share. Um, so yeah, probably early Beatles. You know, maybe the Hard Day's Night record. That kind of like Sugar Rush, very uncomplicated, uh, but incredibly well executed kind of melodic, melodic kind of classic pop. That's that's our kind of jam. Okay, how many instruments do you play? Ah, uh, well, I play guitar, I play a little mandolin, harmonica, I play a little drums. I mean, I, you know, 
play, define play. Are we talking like play well or just like I'll get in a studio and mess around until I come up with something good, you know? Because I would consider that playing well because the because all we hear is the finished product. So we don't yeah. hear any of the outtakes. <laughs> True. Well, I, I played pretty much everything on the new record is me kind of overdubbing. Uh, I did go back and have my the rhythm section from my band ultimately uh, replace my my bass and drum tracks. But I did record everything to my own bass and drum tracks. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can basically make some kind of simple melodic kind of groovy noise on, on like all the instruments in, in like a rock band, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a virtuoso at any of them, including the guitar, which is my, my main instrument. I think if like I had to pick the thing that I did best, it would be a singer, you know, I, I I do that well. I'll admit that, you know, but um, everything else, I'm kind of just not afraid to kind of get in there and find a simple part that works with something else that someone else would play. All right, Mark. Well, hey, man, it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you uh, stopping by and hanging out with us for a little bit. Oh, John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Valentine's Day is such an important day, so I know you got to get off and, and be with your Valentine. But <laughs> your, uh, your album, Lay Your Darkness Down, is out everywhere. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be a, a great success for you. I'm really excited. I suggest everybody go out and listen wherever you can find it anywhere. Anywhere music can be yeah, downloaded. You or already purchased. own it. Uh, well, I do. Yes. <laughs> luckily, luckily for me. But I, uh, I would suggest and support the album. Guys, get the album. Don't just buy yeah. the single. They're all great songs, but get the whole collection together. And they're at Marcarelli.com is probably the best place to get it. I like how you think, John. There'll be a link in the bio and the in the notes for that, and then there'll be a link to some other places, your website and other places to find Mark. But it's been a lot of fun, Mark. Thanks, man. It's been great to talk with you. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe, and connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.